Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Now that I've told you, you're welcome to forget it right away and use the space that you have left over to chastise something. doesn't matter what. Hello? Are you listening to me? Everything is amazing. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Hello, Annabelle. Hello. Hello. Do you take Rudy to any singing lessons? I do, yeah. Do they do that song? Um, no, I don't know that one. It's amazing. So, so sorry. I, I, I try not to do... I mean, it basically consumes both of our lives, yeah. having a baby. Mm. But I think it's quite boring to talk about babies on the podcast. But you yeah. take them to these singing lessons. Yeah. And sometimes the room has got, I don't know, 30, 40 people in it. And the singing teacher remembers all the baby's names and goes round. It's, oh, it's really quite so impressive. It's impressive. I know what you mean, yeah. It must be a trick. yeah. I don't know what the trick would be, but they must have something like microchip in their brain where it gets typed in and gets recognised. It's so weird because I mean, like they do all look just quite similar, really. No, they don't. Oh come on! Uh, You're telling me that if your baby was in a lineup of ten other babies, you you'd be able to recognise it. <laughs> I would. Okay. I would. Okay. <laughs> Then we're not going to get anywhere with this argument. No, we're we? not. We're not. Um, I am fresh from uh, from a festival appearance. I mm. went to a festival yesterday called How the Light Gets In after the um, lyric in the Leonard Cohen song anthem. Um, there's a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. I didn't know that's where the name of the festival came from. Yes. I think it says a lot about that festival. I'm getting a sense of the vibe of it already. Right. So yeah. I think it's so, so it's you know there's a bit of music and comedy on, but there's also philosophers and politicians. And anyway, I was there doing a, a live recording of the other podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I was yesterday. And let me tell you something. It is a schlep to get to. Oh right. So I spent yesterday. I, I spent about eight hours on trains. Whoa, that's a long time. Yeah, train. so, so basically went on a long train journey to get there and then a long train journey to get back and I was just sort of there for two hours in between. But I like being on a train. It's like you're frozen in time somewhat. Mm. But I do have a little story and it's um, it's something that's come up on this podcast before now and it's that thing you've talked about where if you see somebody you know as you're getting on to public transport, oh. do you acknowledge it or not? Yeah, yeah. Because otherwise you could get stuck talking to them. Yeah, for an eight-hour journey. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm at London's Paddington Station Yeah, and I'm waiting for them to unlock the train doors mm-hmm. and I notice that about to get on the same carriage as I am, the um, comedian Ruby Wax 
Okay. Now, I don't know Ruby Wax. I'm a fan of Ruby Wax. Mm. Loved Girls on Top in the 80s. Oh, yeah. I used to like those interview shows she did in the 90s. Um, but I have met her on a couple of occasions. Mm. She was on the radio show once. And then she was on a, a live episode of the, the other podcast. Oh, was she? Is that, yeah. So more recently? Yeah, so okay. I, I okay. last met her, I'd say like four months ago. Right. So, and, she, and, and I get the impression she is a, a person who is engaged with other people and enjoys talking and, 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 and you know, I, I flatter myself in a way to think Ruby Whites would want to talk to me <laughs> on a train journey. But I just think what, there is a risk, though, isn't there? There, there is a risk that she would see me, we'd say hi, turn out we're going to the same place, mm. and then I would end up sitting with her for four hours. Even if it's a 1% risk, this is horrifying to And me. even if she... Yeah. I mean, it could also be that she'd only be doing it out of politeness as well. Yeah. But, but, but I was just terrified that I would get sort of stuck <laughs> with Ruby Wax for, for all this time. <laughs> I think that's so, fair enough. So... Um, so as soon as I noticed her, she didn't clock me. Like, she, she was looking in the other direction. So I put my head down and walked to a different carriage. It wasn't the one where my seat reserved, but I thought I'll go in the next carriage and, and that way I'll avoid, avoid that interaction. Mm. So it was a, you know, I, I considered that a lucky escape. We got on the train and it was, tra- it was a journey in multiple parts. The first was from London to Newport in South Wales, which took about three hours, I would say. Okay. And I was in a separate carriage and I, I, I didn't see her again. Right. We then get off the train in Newport. I, you know, I'm not even sure she's still on the train by this point, but she was. She got off at the same point as I did. So I think oh, she's definitely going to the same place I am. Mm. Now, Newport is a town in South Wales. Um, and I've got to wait on the platform at this point for 40 minutes okay. before the next train. Yeah. So I'm sort of like watching her from a distance, oh, <laughs> working out where she's going to position herself and sit, yeah. and then I go and sit somewhere completely different so that she, she won't see me and there'll be no interaction. Yeah. That all goes fine. Mm, we okay, wait. Okay. And then I wait for the, um, for, for the next train. I get on it and it's a small train. Okay, yeah. I know the ones you mean, yeah. When so, you're getting a bit sort of further yeah, into yeah. the depths of yeah, places. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is, it's exactly <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I get on it and I get sort of like an um, an aeroplane style seating, two seats next to each other. Yeah. And I get on first and then she gets on and she gets on the same carriage and I can see her getting into my carriage. Yeah. So I put my head down into my phone yeah. and I think, you know, and there aren't that many empty seats. <laughs> yeah. I think, please don't sit next to me, please don't sit next to me, please don't sit next to me. And she doesn't. She carries on down the carriage, okay. and she sits somewhere else. Okay. I think, phew. So I think I'm out. I'm in the clear at this point because yep. this is the second train. After this, it's a taxi journey, and we're not going to be sharing a taxi. Then mm. I see. You know, she she walks past me. She gets up, and I'm two rows back from the luggage rack, yeah. and she goes to rummage in her luggage, which oh. is almost right in front of my face. Yeah. Just a seat be- between me and the luggage, Uh-oh. and she's looking in her luggage, and I've got my head down, and I'm sort of like trying to simultaneously put my head down so she wouldn't be able to see from luggage rack and turn to one side so she wouldn't see me when she's walking back and I'm getting all contorted and And then she goes and sits down she doesn't see me and she gets up again what goes to the toilet the toilet's past the luggage rack so same situation again she comes back doesn't see me and I think okay I am in the clear here there is no way now there's only 25 minutes left of this journey and she's been to the toilet once she's rummaged in the luggage once she's 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 not going to get up again so I relax. And then I hear Ruby Wax talking to people. And what I can hear is happening is she's coming down the train mm. asking people if they, she can borrow a pen. Oh, my God. <laughs> no. Yeah, really? Yeah. 
No. So I hear her say, excuse me, do you have a pen I can borrow? And someone <laughs> says, no. And then she goes to somebody else, excuse me, would you have a pen person. that I can borrow? It says, no. And I can hear her getting closer and closer. She gets the person behind me. She says, do you have a pen I can borrow? I say, I'm sorry, I don't. So oh, I think, here we go. No. So she comes up oh. and I'm still turned to one side. She says, excuse me, do you have a pen I can borrow? I turn around. Yeah. I say, oh, yeah, I do, actually. No recognition at all. <laughs> and she has not got a clue who I am. <laughs> and I've spent like this entire journey being paranoid about making eye contact and, uh, <laughs> and then like getting stuck talking to her. And I could have just looked her squarely in the oh. face at Paddington. No recognition whatsoever at all. Ruby wax. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Later, when you go for a walk, you can take this show with you so that you're not left with your thoughts because we know what's going on there and it's just, it's, it's quite scary. You should probably consult a doctor or you should maybe get a dog and then walk with your dog or steal a dog, but just um, dogs can help you because they suck up your dangerous thoughts. Adrift with Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Please share your story of failed human interactions and so on, you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. This one is from Cecily in Guadeloupe. Ah, Cecily. Yes. She writes, Please file this under stories of awkwardness around medical professionals. A few years ago, I was living on the French island of La Reunion in the Indian Ocean. After an incident involved me falling spectacularly off a horse, the French state kindly prescribed me 12 hours of physiotherapy. Having never had physio before, I didn't know what to expect, but I trundled off up the hill in the 30 degree heat to find the address the doctor had given me. Perhaps due to this exertion, or maybe because of the bright sunshine outside, when I opened the door to the air-conditioned, relatively dark office, my senses took a moment to acclimatise. In the middle of this fluster, the unexpectedly handsome physiotherapist came towards me to kiss me on the cheek. A little forward for a medical professional, I thought, but then... Who was I, a foreigner, to decide what was customary on this island? (laughs) So in I went and planted a big kiss on his cheek. It was only then I realised he was actually just reaching beyond me to shut the door behind me, (laughs) which I clumsily left open, letting out all the cool air. To rectify this situation, I thought I'd better pull out my best French to show him how totally at ease I was. Already sweating and blushing bright red, I asked him, shall I take off all my clothes? To this day, I don't know why I thought I should add the word all... Oh, why I hadn't noticed that we were, in fact, in the waiting room filled with six other people, all staring at the awkward foreign girl. I did the only sensible thing and left the island. I still cringe about this, on average, about once a week. Oh, Cecily, that's wonderful. Yes. Thank you for that. OK, this is from Paul Hughes. Paul? I've got for all my clothes. No, that's no. Really good. <laughs> OK, from Paul. I was out for dinner with some university friends one night post-uni and after that I was due to go to a work do. This was in the days where multiple social engagements on one evening seemed physically and psychologically possible. Anyway, drinks were had at dinner and my good university pal Ian decided that a continuation of drinking with my work friends would be fun. There was a bit of a pattern of bringing random people along to these things anyway, so it really wasn't unusual. On the night out, things were fine, although I had that thing where you're not sure how responsible you are for your friend who doesn't know anyone and wonder if it's okay to leave them at any point and speak to someone they don't know. I tended to keep close to my university friend and not abandon him. However, at one point I had a call of nature and left Ian with a girl from work that I barely even knew myself. When I returned, Ian had a slightly red face and was standing in stony silence next to my colleague. As soon as I returned, she made her excuses and left. 
Ian informed me that the silence had descended almost as soon as I left and he had been struggling for something to say to this girl who didn't even have much of a common knowledge of me to link her to him. As they stood there in an increasingly awkward silence, the DJ started playing Kaiser Chiefs. At which point, Ian turned to the girl from my work and started a sentence thinking inspiration would strike. So, he began before pausing, lost in the realisation they had nothing to say to continue this statement. He then blurted out, do you predict a riot? <laughs> she didn't even make the connection with the song. Just said, pardon? At which point, stony silence resumed. <laughs> he didn't come at any more of my work nights. <laughs> so, do, do you, you predict, predict a riot? riot? And her uh, not having any, yeah. like, noticing as anything to yeah, the song. Yeah. I mean, that, that, I know I've told this story before, but... Um... There was one time I was my friend Stephen and I were working in this TV, walking into this TV company where he worked, and um, there was a young receptionist there, a young woman in her early twenties, maybe even like nineteen or something, and there was a television on just showing daytime TV, and Bruce Forsyth was on, and as we walked on, walked in, he looked up, he sees Bruce Forsyth, and says his catchphrase, which of course was "Nice to see you." But this young woman clearly hadn't got an oh, idea that was no, his catchphrase. No. And she's like, oh, no, nice, oh, nice to no, see you too. No. <laughs> oh. And this is from Niels. Hello, Annabelle and Jeff. First of all, all the best from Germany. Oh, I don't know how we do in Germany. I don't well, know if we get a few few listeners we've there. We've got Niels, so that's Does good. Does he say whereabouts? Doesn't say exactly, no, just Germany. Okay, good, yeah. guten Tag. Guten Tag. Love it, love Germany. Yeah, me too. I mean, I know that's a sort of an inane <laughs> thing to say. But, I'd, um, but better than I hate Germany. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A but, lot. Better. But whatever, I've, I've not spent enough time there, but um, I've been to Hamburg quite a few times oh. and I really like it. Okay. Yeah. And what I very strongly remember about it is dogs are allowed lots more places than in certain other countries. Well, that makes it the best country in the Doesn't world. Yeah, I'm yeah. moving there. Yeah. Okay, he goes on. Here is my story of the one time I tried to wield the sword of social justice to defend someone, but instead just mutilated myself. I'm a nurse and care worker for people with disabilities. I must have been about 20 at the time this happened. I'm a really big burly guy, but that never helped my social awkwardness. One summer day, some of my clients wanted to go out to a fair, something like the Highland Games, but with bratwurst and sauerkraut, which I happily obliged. We were a group of four, and without needing to go into any details, it was obvious for the public that, the, that my clients were in my care. We had a genuinely nice day with lots of bratwurst and chips. At some point, one of my clients, I will call her Claudia, wanted to go on to a ride. Claudia was a very petite woman that wore a blue dress and glasses. So Claudia and me made our way over to the rides and picked one of the not-so-rough ones. It was a spinning one with a bit up and down, but nothing extreme. Me and Claudia sat down in our carriage and waited for the guy from the ride to come over and check that it's closed properly. I noticed that in the carriage in front of us was a middle-aged woman that kept turning round and staring at us. I chose to ignore it since people often stare when I'm out with my clients. So the guy came and closed all the carriages, but the woman kept on staring. I kept looking away. Then she started pointing at Claudia and obviously trying to get my attention. I tried to keep calm, even though I started to get very angry inside. When she noticed that I would just keep ignoring her, she pointed at Claudia, then waved at me and then pointed at her own temple. She just kept ticking her temple with her finger, which, in the world I grew up in, is a gesture to mock someone's stupidity. Yes. At that point, I was boiling with rage. How could that woman do that? 
So I took all my courage and rage and started shouting at her. How dare you mock this woman? Don't you see she has a disability? What is wrong with you? She was in the carriage in front of us, which was maybe two metres away. I shouted so loud that I alerted everyone around us to this horrible woman's behaviour. She immediately answered, but was very quiet and calm. She just said, don't you want to take her glasses off? (laughs) Without hesitation, I turned to Claudia and took off her glasses like the whole thing never happened. In that moment, the ride started and I was trapped behind the woman I just humiliated in public and everyone else who witnessed the whole thing. I considered suicide, but the ride wasn't suitable for that. Those were the longest four minutes of my life and the last time I tried to shame someone in public. (laughs) There's something really funny about being on a ride where you kind of experience this like elation and <laughs> adrenaline and just feeling terrible shame as you're going around. Like, your bo- everything in your body is saying, oh my God, this is so exciting. But you're just feeling so deflated and That's humiliated. The most confusing set of emotions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Neil. Oh, that was wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you got anything for us on a similar theme, yeah, you know the uh, the drill by now. We could still do um, with a f- few more emails on these uh, subjects. If you haven't written as yours yet, now is your time. Um, hello at adriftpodcast.com. Please join me in this bubble that has been forever locked in the glass by the blower. It's it's their breath. It's horrible. Adrift. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Annabelle. Yeah. You have brought with you a story. I have. On what subject is the uh, story this week? Well, so it was in the news this week that WH Smith is the worst shop on the high street, which readers voted it the worst. I'd like to dispute that. Like, Who doesn't like being offered a huge slab of dairy milk for a pound, regardless of what else they're buying, be it a book about coping with diabetes or (laughs) dealing with obesity? And I know that there is a worse shop on the high street, even if it's only on the high street in Bow, East London. And it was one of the times that I needed to buy an umbrella. I say one of the times because I bought countless umbrellas like you probably have because yeah. they generally break, don't they? Or you yeah. lose them within a few months. They have a very limited lifespan. A few months? I mean, that, that's, that, that would be some kind of record for me. That's good. Yeah, a few months would be a lot, yeah. yeah. The Transport for London's lost property office, 10,000 umbrellas get handed in a year. Only 2% are claimed. Well, this is the thing people always say, isn't it? If you want an umbrella, just go to the lost property office and say, I lost a small black umbrella. I tried. Did you do that? Yeah, yeah, it didn't work. No. It didn't work. No. I can't remember why it didn't work. I had to fill in a form and everything. For some reason, I think you had to fill in a form and say where he lost it. And said, no, no umbrella was lost on that particular journey or something. They won't give you any old umbrella. That seems silly to me. Can I I also point out? That I didn't just try it because I wanted to get a free umbrella. I did it for something on the old radio show. Oh, I mean, I was no, I've, got no, I've got no memory of that. <laughs> I was, te- I think, I was challenged to get like get free things or right, something. Right, so I right. tried it. Out. I really like things haven't got so bad that I'm going around <laughs> stealing out lost property offices. But I mean, if you were them and you've got all those, how, what percentage did you say? Were Two reclaimed? percent get claimed a year. Yeah, I mean, it they've must got thousands. Hassle storing all those umbrellas. Just pick one out. Yeah. and I said that exactly. That I said it's a small black one. And then I made up a journey a day time. I would have said, I either lost it on this day, this day, this day, and it was uh, one of these five lines. It's so much better at this than me. I should but have lying. said that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so much better. Anyway, I was between umbrellas. 
I'd lost the last one and it was really raining. So I had to go out. So I left my flat in Bow where I was living at the time and I ran to the nearby little precinct of shops where there's one of those market style shops that seem to sell everything. And outside there's always a stack of clear plastic storage boxes and some brooms. You know, you know the shop I mean, don't you? Inside there's a real medley of household things. So I thought I'd try there, see if they had an umbrella. So I went in, has a look about, couldn't see any, but there's a man at the till. So I asked him, he doesn't say a word. He just goes out the back for a few minutes. And when he returns, he's holding an umbrella, which is great. I think they do have one. Didn't appear to be on display for some reason, but it's for sale. And that's all I care about. So I ask him how much it is. And he thinks for, I'd say, around a minute, which is a very, very long time. I mean, a really, really long time when you're standing there at the counter. Then he says one pound and then he bursts out laughing and I kind of join in because I'm just like so pleased that it's so cheap and I say so and then the man between really loud snorts of laughter says no I'm laughing because I'm ripping you off and then he pretty much says to himself one pound and then he just starts laughing even harder so I look more closely at the umbrella and yes, it's you know it's not got a wooden carved handle, and, and it doesn't in look the shape like, of a dog. No, no, it doesn't have that. It doesn't look like the ten thousand pound armor plated one that Sarkozy used to have, <laughs> and it probably doesn't have the capability to inject rice in and murder a spy. But yeah. it looks okay, just one of those compact ones. It's mm. red, you know, maybe a bit, bit flimsy. So I really am happy to pay a pound for it, and I do. But me handing over this pound coin just makes this man laugh even more, and then he just about manages to get out the words. Do you want a bag for it? Which, of course, I don't because it's raining outside. Yeah. I want to use it now. And when I tell him this, he says, no, the bag is for when the umbrella breaks in five minutes. You can put the bag <laughs> over your head to keep you dry. <laughs> this, without doubt, in this man's eyes, is the funniest thing anybody has ever said. I mean, there are tears coming out of his eyes now. <laughs> I don't take the bag, though. I probably should have done to compensate for the fact that I'm in the quite unusual situation of a shopkeeper openly mocking me for being ripped off by him. But let me tell you, that umbrella, OK, it wasn't great, but I had it for years. I just couldn't lose it. I think I tried to lose it sometimes. Like I think I left it in a taxi once and then he like reversed back and gave it to me. And it just didn't break. Like it got to the stage where I was actually quite sick of it. I don't think anyone has ever got sick of an umbrella before, like had it for that long. I think eventually I ended up throwing it away because I wanted a more lightweight one, which I then lost after three weeks, of course. That red umbrella, I have never had an umbrella for so long. And I often thought about taking it back to the shop to show the man, but he was so happy about how he thought he'd ripped me off. I feel like 16 years on, he probably says a little chuckle to himself every few days about it. I just wouldn't want to spoil it for him. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Germans. Drift. Oh, I, I can give you um, some terrible small talk if you like. Oh, yeah. So I went to drop my son off at his nursery the other day. And as I was coming out, I saw one of the women who works there. And it was bank holiday weekend here in the UK this week. So I said, oh, you did anything nice on the weekend? She said, oh, I'm working, actually. I said, oh, can you remind me what you do again? She says, oh, I work as a children's entertainer. I said, oh, right. Yeah. She says, so I said, so what kind of thing? She says, oh, I do lots of different characters. Ready for my amazing small talk? Yeah. I said, oh, I can't oh, believe oh, I said this. Go on. I said, do any of them have moustaches? What did you say that for? I have no idea. That's such a weird thing to it's say. It's so weird. It sort of suggests that she might have had facial yes, hair know, as well. Yes, I know, I know. I didn't yeah, even mean that. Yeah. Like, I've got no idea where it <laughs> came from. Did she have facial hair? No. Oh, God. Good, good, good. I mean, but I don't know, you know. If Do you... any of them have moustaches? Like that? Wait, they would have seemed like that. Why on earth did I say that? I, 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 
Why did you say that? I don't know. I mean, I've thought about it quite a lot since. 20th episode. It was sort of like as a panic, I was trying to think like, what would the different characters look like? And then maybe I was thinking of somebody in like clown makeup. I don't, I mean, I just don't know. I don't know. Do any of them have moustaches? That is really bad. I mean, one of them did, as it turned out. Oh, okay. So she answered the question. Character she uh, she does called um, Mike in your face, oh. who's like a spoof of um, like a, report, a reporter with a microphone. Uh, okay, but like, why does do any? Did of she them... seem shocked by the question? There was an there was an uncomfortable pause. She was okay. Good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> why? Why? Why do I mean? Why do I engage? I just want to be liked, but I'm incapable of saying the things that would foster that. So I should just keep myself to myself. Try and be more boring. So when you say that, just go, oh, that's nice. Yes, yeah, I know. <laughs> Close I know. down every conversation. I know. I know. Oh, that's nice. I know. I know. Do any of them have mustaches? <laughs> such a weird thing to say. Um, before we started recording today, Annabelle brought good news. And that good news is that your lover, Tom, has agreed to do a Patreon-only Partners podcast with Sarah. Yes, I hadn't actually asked him before we said we were going to do it. So luckily, he's happy to do it. Great. I said to him, don't worry, the only question you'll be asked is why did you spit in the bar? So <laughs> just make sure you've got an answer for that and then we'll be fine. <laughs> um, so we said we'll definitely do that before the 15th of June. Today's like the 20-something, 20 28th of May. We've got a couple of weeks to right, sort this yes. out. Okay, so um, I haven't asked Sarah. But... Oh, <laughs> She's going to do it. She'll do it, won't she? Yeah. yeah. Um, And if you would like to hear that, it's going to be exclusive. uh, It's going to be exclusive content. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I don't want to be the sort of person who uses the phrase exclusive content. This is true. Um, It's going to be specially for people who uh, um, donate a little on Patreon. So if you don't already, go to patreon.com stroke Adrift. Computer sounds are awesome. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Adrift. I don't know if you noticed, but last last week the sink in the bathroom here was blocked. I I just noticed there was a towel over it, which I know you're not very slovenly in that area. You're quite tidy, so I knew there was an issue. Yeah. Let's be clear here. I'm not quite tidy, but my wife is exceptionally tidy. Oh, okay. And she sort of cancels me out. Okay, okay. But yeah, so so um, due to a chain of events, I pushed the plug down into the sink. Mm. And it wouldn't come back up again. Ugh. And I didn't know what to do and didn't know whether to call a plumber. or Anyway. It feels like a very small thing to call a plumber for, doesn't it? Yeah. Like but, a bit embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, throughout the day, go into the bathroom and bang away at it. And I'd try and jimmy um, a, pair, a pair of nail scissors down the side of it. And nothing was working. Mm. Um, so I was thinking, I'm, I'm going to have to call a plumber here. And then I thought, I'm just going to ask the fellow next door. And I think it takes... A certain humility to be able to go round next door and ask another man if he'll no. come and have a look at what seems like quite a small problem. No. And I should add at this point that he's a builder. Uh, okay, okay. So and he's a, a just we've just got the best neighbours here. Mm. Um, you know, I'm I'm. It may surprise people to hear that I'm not really a neighbouring kind of person. We're not having <laughs> barbecues and inviting people round, mm. but sort of in as much as we interact with them, they're just the, the loveliest people on both sides. So um, I I go and knock on for him and, and say, Wayne, um, would you mind? I'm so sorry, just coming having a look. I've, I've blocked our sink and I can't quite work out how to get the plug out. So he comes round and. He, you know, he starts fiddling around with it. He says, I'm not sure what you've done here. And he's trying to get it open. Then he says, all right, we're going to have to 
take the plinth off so like he's lying on the floor and he sort of removes the plinth from under the sink and then he's trying to do something from underneath and then he is uh you know trying to force the plug up and he's unscrewing bits of the plumbing oh, wow, and the pipes okay. and things and i would say in total this goes on for 25 minutes half an hour right so the first thing is if somebody's in your house fixing something, mm. what's the etiquette etiquette with regards to standing talking to them? Oh, well, if it's a neighbour who's doing you a favour, I think you need to stay. I know, but I, I also think it's quite annoying if you're trying to do something, having somewhere, someone there oh, talking to you. But it feels like you're just treating him like a work person. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. That's know. Really so, tricky. So, so that's, that's part one of it. Mm. So it's to do with the etiquette. And I do think it is slightly different when it's somebody you know as opposed mm. to somebody you, you, who's come around and you're paying them. Mm. So part two is he basically, whatever I'd done, the way I'd forced the plug in, I'd broken the whole thing. And he said, I'm going to have to order you a new one. Oh. He said, but don't worry, I'll, I'll get it tomorrow. Okay. But as it happened, he's really busy. You know, he's got like building projects on the go all over the place. Mm. And... A couple of days passed right. without hearing from him. Yeah. Now this oh, this becomes oh, difficult so, because if oh. it's somebody like you've employed to do it, yeah, you yeah. can just ring up and say, "Hang yes. on, we still got a block sink here. Are you coming back today?" Oh. But if a neighbour is doing you a favour, this is so hard. Yeah. So this this is my question: What is the best way to handle this stuff? I find out in this week's the incident. <laughs> Mark Watson is a writer and comedian. The, the reason I'm talking to you, Mark, is I think that I, I identify you as a fellow, I think beta male is the phrase that uh, springs to mind. However, there, there is something capable about you as well. You, you seem, I don't know if it's because you did that island TV show, but you seem like maybe you wouldn't be as doomed as I would if civilization all went to rack and ruin. Oh, no, I think I'm definitely on your camp. Um, I did the island as a kind of representative of the community of beta males and you know i got through it not too badly as these things go but i still can't really do anything i'm, I'm still definitely uh in the event of the kind of civilization um imploding I, I think i've got hours rather than days to live to be honest <laughs> just like even the breakdown of um a network that allows us to have stuff like Deliveroo and things like that. I, mm. I, without being able to order food in, I don't know how long I'd last. And that's just one of the problems in the event. That do do you, his question, do you own a household toolkit? Absolutely not, no. There was obviously a time when it was just standard to have a household toolkit in the same way it was standard to have... Um, like to have a place that you keep your rubber bands or your, your parents tend to talk as if households are always kind of impeccably ordered like that. But no, for me, I don't. Um, well, I, I fear that like already having sort of 30 seconds into the conversation or whatever it is, I think I've picked the wrong person to ask about this. I think maybe <laughs> I had a, a, a perception of you being sort of further up the practical scale than I was. So it's, it's a situation. I don't think I ever a- advertised as being that, to be honest. I did quite well on the island, but that was only like that was outside, well outside my comfort zone. It wasn't my actual life. Well, let, let me ask you about this. So, um, a, my sink was blocked the other day. 
So right. I've got someone round to fix it. But there's a two-part question. Question one is, while he's doing the actual fixing and the unblocking, how obliged am I to sit chatting with him? Very difficult, isn't it? I think, well, I think my tact would be to sort of chat with him for a few minutes and then hope that he kind of says something like, right, I'll just get on with this. Mm. So are you advocating a strategy where you might might just be sort of deliberately irritating just to just so that he actually to go away? I think it is certainly one tack that you could take there because probably both of you know uh, that you're not meant to talk together. <laughs> but it's difficult, as you say, you're indebted to the person that's come around to help you. So well, it's a little bit difficult. Yeah, to, uh, yeah. and and this is nice. this is where it gets it gets difficult uh, more so. And there's another component to it. So the 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 gentleman in question um, is a builder, but is also my next door neighbour. Ah, uh, that does in, that introduces another layer of complexity for sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So so as it turned out, he had to get a new plug. He said, I'll be back with it tomorrow. Two days passed. He's a busy man. <laughs> he, hadn't turned, he hadn't turned up with it. Presumably, you're, you're next to neighbour. You, you don't live in such uh, luxury that your next neighbour is sort of a couple of miles away from you. I, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's probably. I'm, I'm speaking quietly just in case these walls are thinner than I thought they were. Actually, I've been to your house, haven't I? For yeah, the podcast, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the neighbour was pretty close at hand, yeah. yeah. So if you, if you get um, if you employ somebody to come and do it, I think there's no problem with ringing up after a day and saying, "Hey, we, are you going to come back and do this?" But when it's yeah. your neighbour, I mean, we were just sitting there with standing water in the sink, you know, risking Legionnaires' disease, and and I don't know what else. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's uh, a difficult situation to be in. I don't think it's possible to get someone else in. I think you're going to have to just persist with this guy. Uh, I mean, how urgent is the work? Well, I've got an unusable sink full of standing water. Yeah, no, when you put it like that, it's very <laughs> important. It's pressing. Uh, I think we might be looking at you having to fake your own death and start again. <laughs> like yeah. a, wit- a witness protection situation. Yeah, basically that, yeah. <laughs> I can't see how, the, how your status in, in your community can ever recover from this situation. <laughs> um, so probably it's worth thinking about moving. And as I say, if he gets, if he gets the idea that you're moving for this reason, then you probably do need to step it up and, and go into full anonymity for what could be a period of years, yeah. <laughs> and it's a shame this has to happen when it only began as a sink issue. But that's that's life for people like us, isn't it? There's always a problem. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. If you know where you're going, it doesn't matter if the location is going in that same direction because you're already making the move. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port are adrift.
I've got a postscript to... I wouldn't call it the Ruby Wax story because Ruby Wax, that chapter is over now. When we arrived at um, Hereford, there was a man waiting for her with a sign and she got taken to the festival by the festival organisers. Meanwhile, I had to get myself a taxi from Hereford to Hay, which is about a half-hour journey. Right. So I go out, get the taxi rank, uh, get in a taxi, and um, and off we go. And get chatting to the driver, who is a woman, and she's very chatty. She says, oh, welcome welcome to Hereford. I said, thank you. And she says, where are you from? I said, London. She said, oh, uh, but it's very different here. People are friendly. I said, yes. And then she sort of gives me a bit of the life story. So basically her and her husband are from Punjab in India, and they moved to Hereford to buy a fish and chip shop, but then I've decided that running a taxi is just the easier way to go. Um, and, and that's what they do. And she was telling me about Hereford and how friendly it is and her family. And she's got a daughter who's eight years old. And she's got a son who's four years old. So I'm you know, trying to join in the conversation, despite my terrible small talk, I'm like trying to ask a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I should point out that her English is is really good. She uh, speaks accented, but she speaks really good in English. Mm-hmm. But there's a couple of times when I say things where she I, and I put this entirely on me. Uh, she's not quite grasping what I'm saying, so I sort of have to either change the language or say it again more clearly. Mm-hmm. So, um, so there's this one point at which she's told me she's got a four year old son, and I say, "Oh, what's he into?" And she says, uh, "I'm so I'm sorry, I don't understand what you mean." I said, "You know what, what's what's he into? What's what's he like? Like uh, Star Wars, Lego? What's he like?" And she pauses, like I've just asked a really strange question. Hmm. And then she says, "Well, I mean, not really Starbucks, but you know, he, he likes KFC every now and again." <laughs> <laughs> and basically, she thinks that I've asked. Like, it must seem so strange to her. She thinks if I've just asked a, f- if a four-year-old son is into Starbucks coffee, <laughs> <laughs> she hears Star it's Wars. Very sweet of her to, Star- to answer it. I know. I know. She was thinking, "Who am I dealing with here?" <laughs> like, however strange do any of them have mustaches? Was a bit of small talk. <laughs> Asking somebody if they're four-year-old is into Starbucks. Oh. <laughs> so um, yeah. Uh, and yet, yet more evidence that I should not make conversation. I just should sit quietly. You're adrift. Jeff Lloyd and Annabelle Port. Everything that you always wanted, and a friend that was with you all the time, who is also watching you closely, judging. Okay, then, on to Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic in Problematic. Yes, it's rules school. Anymore? Yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) But we we do have um, some correspondents here from Drifters who want to know what the rules are in in, in given situations. Ahoy, Jeff and Annabelle. It's me again, Ivana, with husband Patrick, the skiing couple in Italy in gondola with Elton John from Guernsey. Yeah, I I would have got there and I would have started with Channel Islands and worked my way backwards. Uh, Okay, fine. So we've just returned from a lovely holiday in Cuba and I have an unresolved issue from our travel. As my husband still doesn't listen, I will presume I am right and he is wrong unless you tell me otherwise. So this is a familiar topic of tipping abroad. Okay. We booked through a travel agent an all-inclusive package, yet we were still expected to tip. We didn't choose this hotel for this feature. We didn't really have an opinion to select all-inclusive or not. Now, of course, 
I don't mind tipping, but we were expected to tip for every single free drink they bring you as this was weighted service. I flatly refused on day one for two reasons. One, I didn't bring any small Cuban peso with me in my pocketless dress. And two, I have already paid for all my drink, so the hotel should be paying the staff for their service. Needless to say that by day two, I brought a handbag with me and some small local currency and we picked who we tipped. So the pouty girl who ignored us for 20 minutes had nothing, which then added to the problem as after not being tipped, she didn't return to our section and blanked us every time she went past. We moved sections and the nice smiley waiter who didn't hang around after his delivery had a tip at the end of the evening. This, as you can imagine, caused some friction as my husband was prepared to tip for every other drink. And I said once or even one at the beginning and one at the end. We settled on random confused tipping from me and Patrick just so we were being (laughs) served. We weren't even heavy drinkers, so I would have had three to four cocktails a night and Patrick had some rum followed by coffee. There were other instances we were expected to tip, but I think this was more Cuba than the standard, as who carries cash in their bikini to tip the boy who brushes some sand off the recliner on the beach? Yeah, he should be tipping you with cash into your bikini. <laughs> oh, no, sorry, that's strippers. Yeah, yeah, very different. So, discuss tipping on all-inclusive holidays, please, and make a rule for all of us. You're not going to like it. You're not. You're, I mean, I just think you have to, if that's... The, so I, I resent a lot of tipping, I'll be honest. You know, I, I will tip for poor service because tipping is the norm. You've got to go with the norm. This is the problem. And if you've worked out the norm is every drink, I mean, that's gonna that would kill me, tipping for every drink. Yeah, but you've got but to I've do... Already, I feel gonna... I've already paid a huge amount of money. Yeah, I know, Ugh. I know. But this is, this is just the way it goes. I mean, I think you should be resentful inside. But I think wherever you are, what the norm is... If you, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't always agree with when in Rome, mm. but I think this is a situation tipping. You've just got to go along with it. It drives me mad. It drives me mad when I turn up in America and, you know, you have to um, tip somebody for holding a door open for you at a hotel yeah. when I'm completely capable of opening a door myself. I know. Um, and, you know, I think that, I think there's a curb your enthusiasm episode where he's in his hotel room and something isn't working so he has to get the maintenance guy up to fix it and then the maintenance guy stands around waiting yes yeah yeah yeah. and and that you know basically you shouldn't be tipping something because something has gone wrong something already isn't working that all they're doing is restoring it to what it should be Mm, mm, mm. but you still have to tip and if that's how it is in cuba like or, or in this particular resort it's really irritating but you've you've just got to do it I mean, you could try hissing when you do it or uh, gritted teeth. Mm. But In America, do you tip every drink? I think you do, I think don't you? Do, you? Yeah, yeah, like a dollar a drink or something, yeah. yeah. It's painful. And, you know, what, what's worse as well and uh, is, is when people don't notice your tip. And again, uh, you know, I know that most of my, but like, it's like I, I haven't got any life experience to draw examples from, but I have watched a lot of television. But there's, um, a, I think, a great episode of Seinfeld where George is in a coffee shop and has to tip for a coffee at the at the counter. And just as he goes to put the tip in, the person turns their back on him. <laughs> Because you want to, you want yeah. them to know. Yeah. So then, sort of puts his hand in the thing to retrieve the tip. 
That's how you do it. Again, it gets, the, the, gets the, caught, right, yeah. Right. But I mean, the, the, there is nothing more infuriating mm. than the tip not being acknowledged. Yeah, you need like, to so know. I'm tipping. I want the recipient of the tip to think, oh, oh, um, you are a great and powerful man. Thank you kindly oh, no. for bestowing upon me this tip. This uh, token of your gratitude means so much to me. You know, I want a bit of groveling. You need to take that attitude to Cuba then for every drink. Every yeah. drink, feel like you're being this great person. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. So hard. Yeah. But that's the rule, is it? Yeah, I'm if it's sorry. The norm, I'm sorry. You do yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Um, I, t- I t- tell you what drives me. So, in, in sort of like nice French restaurants, service compris, you know, it's, it's, it's included and tipping isn't part of the culture so much there. But then, if there's any ambiguity, and you say to the waiter, say, so is service included? And they say, yeah, yeah, well, yes, it is, sir. But if you feel that you want to add an extra, and that's awful mm. that, that, that when that, you know, that crack has been opened, like, where, where do you go from there, really? That would drive me mad. I've already tipped you. I'm not tipping you again. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. dear. Okay, well, we've got this one sorted out. Mm-hmm. Maybe in future, like, when you book, say, well, I've expected to tip her drink. I'm going to another hotel. <laughs> Okay, and this is from Lloyd from Twickenham. Just wait, just wait a second. Mm, mm. Oh, good. More on tipping, is it? Yeah, just, okay. just thinking there. Mm. So, so are we to assume it was a two-week holiday? Uh, okay, let's let's assume. Um, and she's not a big drinker. No. So that's sort of four, should we say four drinks a night? Yeah. Say so the same for a husband. So yeah. that's eight drinks a well, night. Well, he just has some rum followed by coffee, so... Uh, well, say, so let's say six, six then. Six let's drinks a night, yeah. I'm not. I'm not gonna. What's uh, six twelve? Sure, just to make it easy, R seventy two. I mean, I just want to say, if it was a pound per drink, mm. you're talking about seventy two pounds there, and I'm guessing in Cuba it wouldn't be the equivalent of a pound a drink. You're not doing a pound a drink. No. You you live in Guernsey. Mm. You're going. You're swanning off on all these holidays <laughs> the whole time. You're always writing to us about all these holidays you're swanning off on. So you're talking really? It's only like thirty quid or something to yeah. add on top of the holiday. Yeah, which I'm not saying is nothing. No, but I don't get the impression here that um, they're, they're they're struggling. I have to say, when you put it like that, I feel like Ivana stump up thirty pounds in the grand scheme of things. What's wrong with you? These poor people bringing do, you drinks. I do understand though. It's the resentment. It's I, like the being totally forced to do it. something. I do understand. Yeah, I totally yeah okay. Get it. Okay. Okay, Lloyd from Twickenham. A question for the GLAP problematic portal. Is that how do you want? Portal. <laughs> portal. 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 Oh, that's not bad. Okay. The portal, the problematic portal. Okay, this is interesting, I think. Is it okay to wave or raise an appreciative hand as a bus passenger to the driver of a car who has let the bus out at a junction? Or is this the sole preserve of the driver? <laughs> if it is, what if he slash she forgets to do it? I know if I was driving the car, I would love a whole column of window-seated passengers to thank me by hand <laughs> after I gracefully allowed the bus out before turning right. But I did this at passenger the other day and it didn't feel right somehow. Can you set the rule? So I, I have had a similar daydream, like thinking how lovely it would be to get everyone on the bus to thank people who let us out. But, really? Uh, yeah, I have. Weirdly, I have thought about that in the past. Um, Can we please make it a rule? I mean, it, it, it was one of those things which would just straight up make the world a lovelier place. Let's make it a rule. Um, I mean, 
What what's this? What can it do? What harm can it do? Have you ever been do? in a situation where you've been in a car with somebody? You're the passenger, they're the driver. Yeah, yeah. And they don't thank people. So I do it. Yeah, yeah, I do all the time. Yeah, mm. which is quite a passive aggressive thing to do in a way. To well, I'd only do it with my boyfriend. I wouldn't like do it if you were driving. Which I might do. <laughs> well, I would. I mean, there's no question that if I could drive, I wouldn't be thanking everybody because mm. I'm very polite. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would definitely be doing yeah, that. Yeah. But you're saying Tom doesn't always thank. No, I think like sometimes it's a bit um oh ambiguous. ambiguous. Yeah, about yeah. who's yeah, 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 yeah. the great person in this yeah. situation. Or sometimes, I think I've done it before now, if whoever's driving me like has done like a half-hearted hand signal, I've worried yeah. that the person in the other car isn't going to have registered that. So I've like done a big cartoony thumbs up or something to try and <laughs> yeah. overcompensate. And actually Tom often does like, the flashy light thing. So right. I might not have noticed that. So I do like... The hand as well. That's so cool. That he's such a cool guy. Do you think that's a cool guy thing to do? Yeah, the flashy light thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, know yeah. how to do it. Yeah. So I do the hand. Yeah. yeah. So the trouble with the bus thing mm. is there is no consensus amongst your fellow passengers. So I, I, it, as a rule for society, if we were building utopia, mm. you know, um, I think like it being a social norm that everybody on the bus thanked drivers who let them out, mm. would be a lovely thing. Yeah. The trouble is, if you sort of just do it unilaterally, getting people to join in is difficult and you look a bit mad. Don't mind. You're going to do Okay, then the rule is it's fine. I love it. The rule is it's fine. It comes from a good place and anybody who would look at it and think, what a loser, there's something wrong with them anyway. Yeah, there you go. Good. Uh, if you have... Uh, any kind of social situation where you are unclear of the acceptable behaviour... We are very clear, Annabelle and I. Mm. We, we, you know, we, we can really get to the nub of these things. So um, ask us about it. Email us, hello at adriftpodcast.com. And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening to it. We're, we're never not grateful for that. We know that your time is your most valuable resource and it, we, we hugely appreciate the fact that you choose to spend some of that resource with us every week. So thank you. Of course, your money is your second most valuable resource. And if you would like to support our podcast by uh, showing a bit of appreciation for the time that we occupy um, every week, then you can support us on Patreon. And that's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com stroke adrift. But no pressure. If you've not got the spare change every month, we, we understand that as well. Just go and tell some people about a podcast. Um, maybe, you know, you could just hone in on people who look affluent. If you see somebody wearing a top hat and a monocle and a velvet cape stepping out of a Rolls Royce, maybe that's the person you could target on our behalf. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music during the incident. And advice this week came from the wonderful Mark Watson. He's a great comedian. I always enjoy talking to him. Um, you should read his books if you, if you haven't. And if you're at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, he, he's one of the uh, stalwarts of the festival. He's been going up for years and doing great shows. And he's got a brand new show up there this year. It's called The Infinite Show. Vince Lynch and Simon Wilcox are our announcers and made our eye dents. Patrick Gunning and Iwana Babu provided technical support. Kim Rainey designed our artwork and Carla Gowlett took the photos. Share your story with us, please. Um, 
we it's, it's our I think collectively I can say Annabelle and I find it to be our favourite bit of the podcast when we hear from you and you tell us these stories so email us hello at adriftpodcast.com and finally thanks to that man who sold Annabelle that umbrella that brought me a lot of joy this week Drift. This comes from Reg, who says, Hello, Jeff and Annabelle. Hello. Hello. I'm writing from the Philippines, where podcasts sadly haven't caught on yet. Ah, Interesting. But I thought it'd be nice to let you know that there's also a number of Filipino drifters in the small podcast listening community here. That's amazing. That's a lovely Aww. thing. Um, we Asians are relatively shy and like to keep to ourselves. And on top of that, I'm socially awkward and uncool, even by Asian standards. So it's really not the best combination. It was nice to discover a podcast that validates all my daily people struggles. Brilliant. That's lovely. Good to have you drifting, Reg. Yeah. Um, I'd like to send a podcast to one of my best friends, Billy. He got me into podcasts and eventually adrift. You know, they'd exhausted everything else. Right. Yeah. Says, well, there is this other one. I mean, it's not great. <laughs> but, this, yeah. um, anytime an awkward thing happens to us or could happen to us, we like to talk about similar instances that are featured on the podcast. We get especially excited over any episode that features Rusty Scruff. Oh. I'm eternally grateful to Billy for adding some culture into my life. Culture. Whoa. That's us. Wow. High culture. Mm. Um so I'd like to do something special for his birthday on the 26th of May. Unfortunately, my family and I will be out of town, um, so that I won't be there to celebrate his birthday with him. But I thought getting a podication on one of his favourite podcasts would be cooler anyway. I really hope you exhausted all his actual favourite ones. Yeah, and me too, yeah. yeah. well, they're not going to they're not going to shout out on uh, This American Lie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, this podication goes out to a 13 out of 10 really cool dude and my all-round favourite person. He may no longer be part of the 18 to 24 demographic, but that only means he's bumped up the average coolness in the old people demographic. (laughs) We we talked about this, you and I, last week, about how when you're in your early 20s, there's like two categories. There's anybody sort of older than you, like 30 plus, mm. who's like old parent age. Right. And then there's old grandparent age. But there's only really those two things. Whereas, you know, I, I feel that I'm not that far away from these people. Really. <laughs> I know I'm deluding myself. Mm-hmm. But when you're in your 20s, it's just like people are either the same age as your parents or they're the same age as your grandparents. Yeah. Or they're your age, you know. And don't, I mean, we're not a grandparent. We're not in the grandparent section yet. That must feel good, right? Definitely yeah. not. I mean, I, I could be technically easily, but <laughs> I'm not. I have seen on Facebook, like some people I've been to, went to school with our grandparents. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Jim Slip grandparents. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not sure how scheduling podications works, but it'd be cool if he could get to hear his own on the 26th or any time near then. Keep up the work, uh, Jeff and Annabelle, and thanks for showing me that awkward people can be cool too. Oh, I think we, <laughs> we, we more show you that we can exist, that other awkward people exist. I can't believe I didn't cross that out. I crossed yeah. out the word good in front of work. You did, yeah. I, I yeah. didn't get to the, the last bit properly. No, no. Um, when is the 26th? Uh, it just passed. It was the closest I could get to it this episode. So Great. Okay, so there, there you go. Um, happy birthday. I hope you had a good one, uh, Billy. And I hope, Reg, wherever you went, I hope that, that was uh, that was a good journey. Yep. I um, hope you didn't get into any tipping 
dilemmas. I hope so. But Reg, um, I mean, speaking from some experience, just trying to think, so presuming you're turning 25, trying to think about which... 25 was okay for me, 26, 27, a little rough, but yeah, I think I think 25, 35 is a very good demographic to be in. Quarter century you get to say, don't you? You do, a Quarter you do. century. And I just think like... That that sort of late twenties, early twi- uh, th- early thirties, and your thirties in general is a bit of a golden time. It depends on the person. Yeah. I mean, at the time, I don't know that I would have seen it like that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but now, like being in my forties, which are awful in this whole other way, mm. I can say, God, why why couldn't I've just enjoyed myself? Why couldn't I've just woken up and smelled the roses? Do you wake up? No, you wake up and smell the coffee. <laughs> you stop and smell the roses. Exactly. But that. why couldn't I've just stopped and smelled the roses? Yeah. yeah. Um. Good. Well, happy birthday. Happy birthday. And uh, that's the latest edition of the podcast. If you would like an episode of this dedicating to you, then email us hello at driftpodcast.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.